Hey, this is Mr. Anderson, Anderson, and you are listening to Two Out of Three Falls. Yeah, 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 what up? You know, it's uh, Peter Rosenberg, Hot 97, ESPN, WWE Network, Cheap Heat Podcast. Um, let's see what else. I got mad jobs out here, but right now, talking all things wrestling with my man Randy Cruz, the Cruise Control Podcast. Sit back and stay mage. You're listening to Cruise Control with Randy Cruz. This is the voice of the New World Order. N-W-O. And Neil Furman's secrets of WCW Nitro. Graham Matthews, Bleacher Report. My man, how you doing? Doing great, Randy. How about yourself? Doing good, man. We, I know we uh, we missed last week, so I definitely apologize. Uh, but we are back at it uh, today on a Saturday afternoon. You can find Graham on Twitter at Russell Rants. You can find me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz. The show is on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, support the two out of three fours show. We got t-shirts on ProWrestlingTees.com as well, uh, slash Cruise Control. Um, Graham, so again, last night, SmackDown, a very interesting SmackDown, <laughs> i say the least. Um, majority of the roster was still in Saudi Arabia from the Crown Jewel show. That's number one. Two, um, you know, you're trying to figure out what they're going to do because obviously the original plans were were were, were scrapped um but overall from the ratings that came out just a little while ago uh 2.5 uh, uh, an average of 2.5 back on fox so you know last week they were on fs1 everybody made a big deal that they had 888,000 people for uh, watching the smackdown show on fs1 because of the world series i I tended to feel like that number becomes irrelevant because, you know, more people are going to watch a highly contested World Series than a SmackDown or even AEW and mm-hmm. NXT that happened this week uh, with Game 7 going on. So, um, a 2.5, you get the uh, the NXT invasion going on on SmackDown. A lot of great feedback on Twitter on, on my timeline about the show. Many fans love the, the, the show in, in its entirety, not... not you know, I'm not sure if that's because they had a whole bunch of NXT people on it or, or not. But um, what did you make of this? Before we get into specifically what happened on SmackDown, what did you make of just them having their backs up against the wall, knowing that the roster was still in a different country from Crown Jewel and they had to scrap everything at the last minute? Well, it seems like in situations like that, that's when they produce their best content. Mm -hmm. Um, And this has happened before. This is far from the first time that something like this has happened. Not the exact type of situation, obviously, but there was a time, I want to say almost exactly a decade ago, I think it was April of 2010, that the WWE crew, specifically the Raw crew, I think they were over in Europe or something, and there was a volcano that erupted or whatever, Mm -hmm. and they couldn't make it back to Raw that Monday. So they brought in the SmackDown superstars. They brought in Undertaker and all these other guys. And it was a really random show. And I think it was supposed to be the go-home show for a pay-per-view. Now, I will say this. I'm not going to say for SmackDown that it was a great show solely because of NXT. Because they really lucked out. Because could you could you imagine? I mean, they, they probably would have put on a similar show. Mm. You know, if... Um, you know, if, if NXT was not going to have involvement with Survivor Series, but 
they announced on Thursday before they knew that this shit was going to happen. So it's not like they announced Raw, SmackDown, NXT for Survivor Series after they knew, shit, we're not going to make it back in time. They announced that on Thursday during Crown Jewel. Mm -hmm. So they knew ahead of time they were going to do that, and it worked out perfectly, dude. Because if they weren't going to do that, would it have been cool to see the NXT people on Friday? Of course. But it would have made absolutely no sense because they would have shown up once and then never be seen again because they just needed to fill the two hours. Um, this worked out perfectly because it, it, it came across like an invasion. This is what the invasion should have been. I saw someone tweet this on Friday. This is what the invasion should have been in 2001 if they put over all the WCW stars from night one like they did with NXT last night. Mm -hmm. It would have come across a lot better. And people have been saying this for years. You know, would an NXT invasion work? Would an NXT invasion work? And I always said no just because I didn't think WWE had the, you know, not that they didn't have the ability, but that they wouldn't want to put these quote-unquote developmental stars over their main roster talent. But as seen last night, that was far from the case. Now, Survivor Series, they could get squashed. Like, we don't know. This is only <laughs> night one. Yeah, you're right. But first impressions are everything. So, again, we'll get into the specifics of SmackDown momentarily. Mm -hmm. um, but, I, you know, obviously the situation was terrible. I would never want to wish the talent to get stranded anywhere ever again. But it seems like in situations where they don't have a plan and they book on the fly, and according to Dave Meltzer, of course, take everything that it reports with a grain of salt that um, Triple H, he, it was a very Triple H influenced show. Vince McMahon was still there. He still ran the show, but Triple H obviously was present and it was his idea to do the NXT invasion and it worked. And not only did Vince go along with it, but he approved the fact to have Ciampa win, Adam Colby, Daniel Bryan clean. Like I was fully expecting some sort of interference mm -hmm. from the Undisputed Era or a big brawl to close the show because we get those every fucking year before Survivor series right. we didn't get that it was a very straightforward smackdown and it turned out to be one of the better smackdowns in recent memory if not all year you're right because champa won uh adam cole won Shayna baszler destroyed bailey um Rhea and i forgot the other girl they won their tag match so it was pretty much a dominant nxt night just to play advocate with you are you okay with that that i know this is an invasion angle that they're, they're running up for Survivor Series, but are you a fan of the, the NXT people would come in on the SmackDown brand and everybody would say Raw SmackDown is above NXT, but NXT now comes on board on the SmackDown brand and just beats everybody in, in, in one night. Well, that's what they needed to do because they need to make you. They need to make like main roster viewers that aren't familiar with NXT. Mm. They need to make those people care about these superstars because if they get beat on night one, made to look like developmental losers, like rookies then why would I give a shit about them going to war with Raw and SmackDown at Survivor Series? Because we know they're, they're either going to lose or that they're inferior. I mean, we can argue all day as the main roster inferior or as NXT inferior talent-wise in terms of who they have on each brand. But um, in quality, too, obviously, NXT is just the supremely better show. But NXT, though, I thought they booked it the right way. Not to say they're going to dominate every single week going forward. Um, there's a very good chance we could see NXT on Wednesday. And it's going to make N NXT this coming Wednesday a very interesting show because mm -hmm. we could have you know a very you know, NXT is usually entertaining anyway but after this we could very well see a lot of superstars show up on Wednesday and uh, kind of stake their claim of being the better brand we could see AJ Styles show up and attack 
Johnny Gargano or Daniel Bryan return to NXT for the first time in a decade and stuff like that. It could be a very interesting show. And I'm very much looking forward to that aspect of it because we see raw people on SmackDown all the time. And I was thinking about this last night. We see the, you know, the blurring of the lines of the brand split so often, even though they just said they brought it back. They fucking did. And Brock Lesnar is going to be back on Raw this Monday. So, again, how much does it really mean? But one thing we never really say, our main roster talent on NXT and vice versa. So it feels special. It feels different. And they're going about it so far the right way. So I'm very optimistic regarding the build to Survivor Series. And in the few years we've been doing the show, Randy, we talk about the Raw versus SmackDown thing every single year, and so far it hasn't really meant anything. Not that this year is going to be any different, but throwing NXT into the mix makes things 10 times more interesting than they have ever been for Survivor Series in at least a decade or so. Well, you know, Graham, according to my sources, you know, I've heard Brock Lesnar was part of that Alexa Nikki Cross trade uh, to to SmackDown. So maybe that's (laughs) why Brock is now going to Raw. So, you know, remember Hunter said, you know, future draft picks. So I think this is (laughs) Brock is going to Raw. That would actually be logical, Randy. The sad thing is that they never actually explained that. I was expecting that. Yeah. If you really want to go back on that, because maybe they had an idea at that point and they always book the shit on the fly. Mm. Um you know, regarding when they do the draft picks and who goes where and what win, you know, who wins what title. I'm sure they didn't really plan on Wyatt winning the championship. Even at that point, I'm sure it was a last minute decision. Uh, these things go back and forth so often that it's hard to plan in advance with shit like this. At least for WWE, it seems like it, it's always so difficult to do that. Um, and I get it to a certain extent. There's injuries, shit comes up, but with Wyatt, he really should have won weeks ago. Like he should not have won a crown jewel. He should have won a hell in the cell, but nonetheless, mm-hmm. um, um, that would have actually made sense if they said, hey, we're taking Brock because you took Alexa and Nikki. That would have made sense. They didn't go about it that way, though. They simply said that Brock was, quote unquote, quitting SmackDown, not WWE, mm-hmm. quitting SmackDown and will be appearing on Raw this Monday, leading me to believe that he's going to be back on Team Red starting this week, which are they going to turn the Universal Championship blue? Like, how is that going to go about? I would rather just see Bray Wyatt on Raw. I think he's a poor fit for SmackDown. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. I thought SmackDown, I thought Fox wanted Brock but um, maybe they did for the first month who the fuck knows and it's a live show so it's not like he's showing up on Tuesdays and he doesn't want to work Tuesdays it's a I don't know I'm not really sure what the issue would be with Brock working Smackdown but um, I I like him on Smackdown I don't really like the fact he may be returning to Raw but if they want to have him go back to Raw just a few to the Rey Mysterio for the time being I think that's fine Um, only to return to Smackdown at some point so we'll see how they go about it but um, yeah the, the whole trade thing and the draft and the brand split they're already going back on their rules that they reinstated like a month ago they, they're already souring on it should we look into anything where more people watched last night smackdown than the show prior to the fs1 show so i think 2.5 last night maybe 2.5 uh, three or something like that for the for the week prior with the with the whole original roster should we look into i mean is there any true reason why that number is higher than two weeks ago knowing that half the roster was not even there it's a weird thing because you know if it was a bad rating people would be going oh you know it has nothing to do with the nxt talent it has to do with the fact that last week's show sucked and we you know blah mm-hmm. blah blah um right 
I, you know, I don't want to make excuses and say that it was because of NXT because they never announced the NXT people for the show. The rating, more often than not, dude, has nothing to do with the current like the quality of that show because people are going to tune in one way or the other. They might tune in like if there was a big jump from hour one to hour two, that would be different. There was actually a decrease from hour one to hour two on SmackDown last night. Mm-hmm. People may have tuned in because they were curious. How are they going to go about this show? Because um, they did announce that afternoon, hey, the people aren't going to be there. You know, we have surprises planned. I mean, they didn't advertise it a week out. They didn't say it on Raw this week. So mm-hmm. it, it's a good number. And not only is it, it's obviously up from the 800,000 from last week on FS1, but it's also up from the number from two weeks ago, too, which is interesting because I think Rock might have been on that show. Maybe not. I don't remember. Two weeks ago. I don't really think they did much. I know they did Roman and Shinsuke for the IC title, which was mm-hmm. random. Uh, it really wasn't that good of a show. It was it was pretty ho hum. But um, with SmackDown last night, far as whether this was like a, a successful show or not, mm-hmm. will be whether the rating goes up next week, and or not only just for SmackDown for NXT too. If people don't, if more people don't tune into NXT next Wednesday, it's a fucking lost cause. Because coming off an angle like this, this should intrigue people. And they not only watch NXT for NXT, but also watch it to see, you know, who from Raw and SmackDown may show up. Um, and I mean, I assume the number will be going back up. The World Series Game Seven was on Wednesday, so if it doesn't improve from five hundred thousand, there, there's a big problem there. Um, yeah, but nonetheless, but, yeah. though, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I think I think this week with AEW and NXT becomes irrelevant as well because of Game Seven. So yeah, having a Game Seven in any sport, it, it doesn't matter what's on. So yeah, I think AEW had seven hundred thousand plus. NXT had five hundred thousand plus, but I, I don't look too much into that because of, of Game Seven. So I think it was. It, it's funny because you know this week has been very interesting and, and good for NXT because. You know, they're getting more exposure on the FS1 and Fox shows where, you know, Battle was on FS1 for the backstage stuff. Um, and now, you know, a majority of the NXT roster going on Fox. So now people who could be watching is like, all right, where can I see where can I see these guys perform? Oh, you can watch them on Wednesday uh, on Wednesday nights on USA. Oh, cool. I'll check them out. So now you, you're putting more emphasis on that brand to to kind of balance the power when it comes to, to Wednesday night. So I think them getting more exposure was good. It, it's ironic how things happen. But, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a problem with, with, with how SmackDown ended up last night with the circumstances. Um you know, we mentioned earlier Brock, you know, quote unquote, quit SmackDown. Now he's going to take his talents to Raw because he has beef with Ray Mysterio of all people. And, you know, it, it, it brings a question. All right. Hey, Brock, if they're not going to explain it, Brock is just, just going to show up on Raw. And we're all going to assume Brock is now going to be on the Raw roster. What happens with the Universal Championship with Bray Wyatt now? Because that crown jewel, Bray Wyatt defeated Seth Rollins. And I, I think I got to ask you this, where people love Bray, the Fiend, and they wanted him to win the, the, the belt at Hell in a Cell. It did not happen, but he won that crown jewel. Now, we've seen what's been going on with Seth. The crowd really, really not into him no more, stuff like that. But now Bray wins. And there are some people on my timeline, some that have a bit of a problem with Bray being the champion now which uh, to me you know I've been I've been a big Bray Wyatt fan from from the beginning uh creatively they just kind of you know went up and down with him with the 
the first character now I'm interested to see how they act creatively with him being a champion. I have no problem with, with him being a champion. Some say he doesn't need the belt. And I'm like, you can't have this character just be there, get get a lot of attention, and then not at, not at some point be a champion, whether one once or twice. Um, because everybody looks to back in the day where someone like Taker you know, mythological character doesn't need the belt or someone like Mankind and his character, he didn't really need the belt. But at some point, they, they eventually got the belt. And I think Bray is the new Mankind taker uh, character of, of this generation. At some point, he needs the belt. But are you in favor of him just being his character, not need the belt, or are you in favor of him actually winning the belt? He had to win the championship. That was the only outcome that made sense on Thursday. Like I said earlier, it should not have taken them this long to put the championship on him. You either put the belt on him or you don't. I mean, I'm glad they did, obviously, but what I mean is you either put the belt on him at Hell in a Cell. I mean, again, it's better than him losing on Thursday. Yeah. But why wait so long? This company has an issue with striking while the iron is hot. Sometimes, rarely, they will do the right thing. Like, they could have very easily... And people like to forget the good stuff that happens in WWE. It's a lot easier to complain about the product, but let's not forget that it was only six months ago, six, seven months ago, that at WrestleMania, they did the right thing, did the payoff with Kofi Kingston, had him win the championship in Mania. They could have had him lose. They could have had him lose at WrestleMania and then win it uh, uh, you know, the next day on Raw or on SmackDown or the next pay-per-view. Um, but they did the right thing. They put the belt on him at WrestleMania. Mm. They don't always do that, though, unfortunately. And they didn't do that with Bray Wyatt. I'm glad that he's champion, but the circumstances in which he won it in fucking Saudi Arabia at one of the worst pay-per-views all year in a terrible match that was somehow even worse than the Hell in the Cell match from earlier on in the month. I'm not sure how that was possible. Um, but I'm glad that he won it. I think the booking of The Fiend and the matches is kind of questionable. The Finn Balor match was something else because Finn Balor was on his way out anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, they had him get squashed. It worked. They, I would like to see the guy actually have competitive matches, and I realize this was competitive to a certain extent, but my definition of competitive is not him taking fucking eight finishers and kicking out because it makes the curb stomp look like shit. Like, if The Fiend can kick out of 10 curb stomps, and I realize he's, like, this invincible character, it makes Humberto Carrillo look like a loser when he goes down to one on Raw a week and a half ago. So, again, I know he's supposed to be this demon or whatever, and I think it's cool, but, you know, then don't have him hit the move. Don't have Seth Rollins hit the move and have Bray Wyatt kick out. Just don't do it. Or do it once or twice and have that be it. Um, I'm not a fan of that, but I thought the match sucked. I'm glad Wyatt won. It was the only outcome that made sense. Like you said, Seth Rollins, a lot of fan backlash right now. And I think the only real way to endear himself to the audience again is by losing the championship. He was better off in chase mode anyway. Um, I'm not sure where they go from here with this because technically Bray Wyatt as of right now is a SmackDown superstar. And we said earlier, Brock quitting SmackDown. He might return to Raw. Bray Wyatt might stay put on SmackDown. I'm not really sure. I guess we'll find out come Monday's Raw or I guess we won't really get a better idea of what the hell's going on until after Survivor Series when the brand supremacy stuff wraps up. 
Um, but in the meantime, though, I'm glad Wyatt's champion. I don't even want to think about who's, who's going to be the one to beat him because they just put the belt on. Let's just be happy that he's a champion again for the first time in two and a half years. Mm-hmm. You know, I never thought we would see the day again. You, Randy, got to give you credit. You've been singing the praises of Bray Wyatt for almost a year now, saying that, hey, what if he becomes champion at Mania or here or there? And he finally won the title here, which is great. Um, but I'm not even sure who can come close to beating The Fiend. It's almost He's almost more invincible than Brock Lesnar. Uh, at least Brock Lesnar is lost, and, and, and he's been made to look vulnerable in the past. Bray Wyatt, he can take eight curb stomps and kick out every single time. So we'll see where it goes. I would like to see them put the championship on him till Mania. But again, if the matches between now and then are terrible, and they keep booking them the same way they booked that Falls Count Anywhere match at Crown Jewel, and they stole that dumbass red lighting for every match, people between now and Mania might say, hey, I'm getting sick of this shit. Just take the title off him at Royal Rumble. So I guess we'll see how it uh, pans out. Yeah, for me, it's funny because this is a guy who was a one-time champion in that whole storyline with Orton back at WrestleMania 33, you know, came and went. Um, And this guy's been up and down character-wise, creative-wise. Um, he, he missed a whole year <laughs> because they, had, they didn't have shit for him. And now he comes back, and now he's the champion. Now I was like, oh, you know what? Bray doesn't really need the belt. And it's kind of it's kind of funny and weird to, to, to hear that because, you know, like I mentioned with, uh, before with Mankind and Taker, like, just imagine me in 1998 saying – or 97, 98, 99, whatever it was. Uh, you know what? Mankind doesn't doesn't need to beat The Rock. Or Taker doesn't doesn't need to beat Brett or Stone Cold for the belt. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I just don't know and don't understand why fans tend to think like that nowadays with a character. Like if he's good enough and he's good on the microphone, promo, in the ring, whatever it is, he you know, he's the hottest guy in in, in the company. Just give him the belt. You know what I'm saying? If it makes sense, give him the belt. But now we're, we're, we're all we're all going to be like, well, does it really need it? Then, then someone like that could be in there five, ten years, never a champion. But, like, you know, he was great, he, you know, but he was never world champion. It's just, I, I, I don't – I'm yeah. not like that. Some people are. I get it. That everybody has their own opinion. But I think it, – you know where else can this character go? Where else can Bray Wyatt go? Now I I I also saw on Twitter not my idea I forgot to put it out there that you know whether whether it was on purpose or not SmackDown drafted Bray Wyatt and what they could do is the Fiend is gonna be on Raw. Where like they 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 kind of emulate what Mick Foley did with Do Love Mankind and Cactus Jack, some shit like that. So now he he can be roaming around. He might be on SmackDown totally. He might be on Raw totally. But there was some uh, thing out there, someone put out there that they might have him do the the, the three faces of the Foley kind of gimmick. Mm-hmm. I I'm yeah I'm not a fan. I I saw that too. I've seen I've seen people say yeah the Fiend might be exclusive to Raw and then Bray Wyatt on SmackDown. Uh-huh. That might work if they didn't call the Fiend Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Like on the show they call him Bray Wyatt all the mm-hmm. time in at Crown Jewel. Right. You look at the, the 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 superstar page. It's not like the Fiend has a separate profile on the website from Bray Wyatt. They call him the quote-unquote fiend, and then Bray Wyatt. So it's the same person. So it's not like, I know it's his alter ego. Like with Dude Love and Mick Foley, or they didn't call him Dude Love Mick Foley. They called him just Dude Love. You know what I mean? Like they didn't call him Mankind quote-unquote 
Mick Foley. They, they it was separate alter egos, and I would I I understand it from that aspect. With the Fiend, though, it's they've outright acknowledged it's the exact same person. Um, yeah. So I don't really I don't like that anyway. If they really want us to take this brand split seriously, if they really want us to take this thing seriously, they got to have them on one show or the other, and I that's just overexposure anyway. Because what can you do with that other Bray Wyatt, the, the Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt? Is he going to wrestle? Like, I was intrigued <laughs> to see him on Miss TV and see how he was going to conduct himself in, in, in front of a you know a live audience and not in the Firefly Funhouse. That would have been interesting. But beyond mm. that, I really have no desire to see him in the ring, wrestling matches, maybe once. But other than that, I just think that would get old real quick. So uh, I, I don't think they're doing that, and I really hope they don't do that. I just think that's stupid. I got a question for you. If, if if Twitter was around when Mankind beat The Rock in 99, that night when they went up against Nitro and Shivani said that'll put butts in the seats and Mankind beat The Rock, are, would people would say, oh, Mankind, he doesn't need the belt. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, knowing wrestling fans and how fickle they can be, for sure. I mean, Twitter would have exploded anyway just because it was such a great moment. But of course, back then... Um, it was already spoiled anyway by Eric Bischoff on Nitro. So people knew it was going to happen. Mm. Word would have spread fast on social media. I'm not saying that people wouldn't have switched over to um, WWE because, like, they lost, what, 500,000 people, Nitro did, mm-hmm. from, you know, to Raw when they announced that Mick Foley was winning the championship. I think that still would have happened, but it may not have been as shocking of a moment because mostly everyone would have known by that point, hey, he's winning the championship. I just want to see it happen. I think it still would have been a great moment, as as, as good of a moment as it was. It just may not have been um, you know, as shocking because people would have already known. More people would have already known by that point. But anyway, um, yeah, they, people probably would have argued that. People will always argue the opposite. No matter how good of a moment or a decision it is, people will always find a way to look for the negative in it, always with wrestling fans. Mm. Oh, you know what? Even better yet, if Twitter was around when The Undertaker beat Hulk Hogan in 1991 for the belt, do you think they would have said, Taker's been here for one year. He don't need it. Probably, but I think the more interesting social media reaction would have been two days later when Hulk Hogan beat him back for the Battle of Tabu Tuesday. <laughs> that would have been the real reaction I would have wanted oh, to say man. and how yeah. people would have reacted to the fact that uh, Undertaker got beat for the first time two days after he won the championship for the first time. Uh, that would have been something to see for sure. Tuesday night in Texas, right? Oh, yeah, not Taboo Tuesday. Yeah, I'm no, Taboo like, Tuesday 91. Come on, Graham. <laughs> I know. I'm getting my fucking pay-per-views mixed up, all my T's mixed up. But, yeah, Tuesday night in Texas, yes. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so basically Bray won the belt of Crown Jewel. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I think majority. Brock beat um, Kane Velasquez in two minutes, which is all right with me. It's Kane's first match. I think there's, there's some injuries going, around, going on with him. Uh, Fury beat uh, Braun Strowman. I didn't see majority of it. I just saw the end when he punched Braun uh, outside the ring and Braun lost by countout. I did not see the, the multiple tag, best tag team in the world stuff. I did not see the, the Cesaro match. So you saw Crown Jewel in, in its entirety. What did you make of the show? The show sucked. I saw people okay. saying, oh, it was good. <laughs> it wasn't as bad as the other ones. I mean, that's all subjective, of course. But um, just because the show... I mean, it was easily the best ending in the Saudi Arabia show history because we've had Taker and Goldberg back in June, which was terrible. Last year, it was 
the DX and Brothers of Destruction nonsense, yeah. which was also terrible. And the one before that was Strowman winning the greatest Royal Rumble, which was, uh, okay, whatever. This was obviously the best ending of them all. The show itself was long, three and a half hours. I cannot possibly sit here and recommend to you to go back and watch the show in its entirety. It was such, not even a waste, because you knew what you were getting when you were you know, going into the show because we've had three of these shows so far. So I knew going in, okay, it's not going to be great, whatever, but it just wasn't good. I cannot sit here and say, hey, this was a good show, when the top three matches, dude, were all terrible. It's not even that they were decent or they weren't as great as they made them out to be. I can't call Lesnar and Kane terrible. It went two minutes, but come on, what a fucking disappointment. I mean, you don't bring in this guy that was hyped up as a big deal and have him tap out in two minutes. Like maybe if it's an MMA fight or whatever, or more of like a wrestling match and you, you tell the story, Hey, you know, Keen strong suit isn't wrestling. It's MMA, but they went for the MMA fight, you know, style of match. And he's still lost in two minutes. Mm -hmm. And again, I know the guy was injured. That's not a fucking excuse for this company. People need to stop making excuses for WWE. I, I can't, I get the guy had an injured knee, but then don't book the match in the first place. He was hurt when they brought him in he didn't mm -hmm. get hurt between when he debuted and, and crown jewel he he got was hurt long before that right so they never should have done the match in the first place maybe promote like a face-off or something or an exhibition match i don't know but to do the match in his first de debut match in wwe gets tapped out in two minutes it's a fucking joke why should i care about the guy now the guy looks like a complete wuss like ray mysterio who was five foot nothing got the better of brock lesnar when kane couldn't like that's really sad um the tyson fury braun match was just beyond boring the match sucked um that was a waste of time the fiend rollins match again happy with the outcome as we just discussed the match itself sucked um, it was not good. Went on way too long. I fast-forwarded through half of it. It was so boring. Wow. And then the only really good matches on the show out of the eight matches they had, I mean, again, Lacey and Natalia was more of a moment than a match. I mean, the match, who gives a shit? But it was cool to see the women wrestle on the show. Like, I can't discredit that. Mm -hmm. But I can't recommend going back and watching it for that, you know, two seconds of emotional shit afterward. Like, it's not worth it for that. But, um... Team Hogan, Team Flair was entertaining, but I'm not going to sit here and say it was the best match of the year. Look at on any Raw or SmackDown, people would have said, "Oh, it's fine." On the Saudi Arabia show, it's amazing because everything else sucked in comparison. You know, everything else paled in comparison. Mm -hmm. It was good, it wasn't must see. Mansoor and Cesaro was the best match on the show by far. That I would recommend going out of your way to watch. It was only around 10 minutes anyway. Mm -hmm. um, easily the best match I've seen on any of these Saudi shows. Like, and it's not even close. Um, great match. That was about it, though. I can't even really remember what else we had. AJ and Korea was fine. Not as good as the Raw match. Completely forgettable. Tag Team Turmoil, completely forgettable. Um, and that was really about it. Maybe another match or two, but yeah, it was, mm -hmm. a, it was a very missable show. Probably... Yeah, I, I got to say it's worse than Hell in the Cell. I think Hell in the Cell, people are shitting all over because of that ending. Mm -hmm. But the ending does not make or break a show for me. That ending sucked. That Hell in the Cell match sucked at Hell in the Cell. And the build sucked too. But at least we had Sasha and, and um, Becky. Like, yeah. that was a great match. We didn't really have that on this show, you know? So I think Hell in the Cell was a better show than this and not saying something. So this might be the worst show of the year by far. So you, you're saying that the, 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 the Bray Seth at Hell in a Cell was better I'm sorry yeah was better than, than the Crown Jewel match yes I mean the finish was obviously better at Crown Jewel but the match itself I think this was worse I really do like people may argue with me on that and that's fine but I really thought this was just terrible it dragged on and on and on the multiple 
kicking out of the finishers. The match at Hell in the Cell, Bray Wyatt was literally out for like 20 minutes, and, and Rollins... Okay, maybe this was better, but the match was just terrible. Mm. I mean, I'd really have to go back and watch it again. I thought this one was worse watching it. The one on Hell in the Cell, he took his time hitting his finishers on Wyatt, and I guess that was bad too. But they were equally atrocious. They were equally atrocious. I'll just put it that way. Are you a fan of the red light being on during the match? Absolutely not. It looks dumb as hell. <laughs> that was quick. Um, I did not know the, t- the tag team turmoil match went over for a half hour, man. A half hour nine tag team uh, turmoil match for the tag team World Cup. That was crazy. A half hour for that shit. It was a complete waste of time. I'm glad the OC won. That was pleasantly surprising, but the match itself was total filler. Uh, you mentioned Mansoor defeated Cesaro. Fury defeated Braun Strowman in uh, eight minutes. AJ defeated Humberto Carrillo to retain the U.S. title. Natalia defeated Lacey Evans. Team Hogan defeated Team Flair, which I did not even see. Um, was that even like elimination or just like one man pins it, pins the other man, and that's it? No, yeah, it was a standard 10-man tag team match. No eliminations. Oh, God. All right. Uh, which is good because Survivor Series is in like three weeks. Uh, and maybe maybe that's why, you, you, maybe in the beginning when they said Team Hogan is Team Flair, and everybody was like, oh, why not do that at Survivor Series? So now, now with the NXT coming involved, you kind of understand why that match was at Crown Jewel and not um, at Survivor Series. Then, then it, uh, yeah, but the, the, the Fiend Bray Wyatt defeated Seth Rollins in uh, 21 minutes. So that was Crown Jewel. I probably saw like maybe 20 minutes of it. Uh, not not going to go to it. But uh, the one we got next will be War Games. Uh, NXT War Games coming up, I think it's the, the night before Survivor Series, right? Correct, yeah. And they announced they're going to have an NXT Women's War Games match. I think it's, you got to help me out here, it's, uh, it's Baszler, uh, Bianca Belair, right? Mm-hmm. And Baszler's two other friends, which I forgot their names, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai's team Dakota. Ripley, yeah. Okay, Rip is Ripley Knox. Oh no, I'm sorry. For, I'm sorry for Shayna Baszler. It's uh, not not the, that's the opposite team. Yeah. I'm talking uh, Jessamyn Duke and Marina Shafir. That's on uh, Team Shayna. And Team Ripley is obviously Ripley. Um, Dakota Kai. You said uh, Larray, right? Yeah, Candice Larray and Tegan Knox are the other two. Okay, so now that's going to be the first ever women's NXT War Games match. So, uh, are you surprised by it? Are, are you happy about that? Yeah, I think it's great. Um, not even that it was that it was long overdue because I can't even really think of a time where they could have done something like this in WCW or NXT. Even it's it's a relatively new concept in NXT. They've only been doing it for two three years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the women's division is stronger than it's ever been. They have a lot of people going after Baszler right now. It only made sense. Um, I think it's cool. I think they should close the show with it. I think they're doing two War Games matches that night. Mm-hmm. They teased another one at the end of the episode. With all of Undisputed Era versus Ciampa, Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, and then someone else, probably Velveteen Dream or Dominic Dijakovic or someone like that. Um, but yeah, it uh, should be a great show. The Women's War Games match is huge. It should be a great match. I hope they go on last. And it looks like it's going to be five on five. So if so, okay. um, if so, they could have. Mia Yim, who's a regular in the NXT women's division, fill that fourth spot, or 
um, Tony Storm, or Fifth Spot, I'm sorry, NX, mm. from NXT UK, who has issues with Baszler and has history with Ripley. She would make sense, too. I think she's in on her way on her way into NXT, so that would also make sense. And I'm assuming that they'll do Balor Gargano one-on-one at War Games, right? I'm assuming. Yes, Balor Gargano one-on-one, the two War Games matches, and probably Leo Rush versus Angel Garza for the Cruiserweight Championship. So I know Balor turned heel like two weeks ago. I know we did not do a show last week, so... Um what did you make of Finn Balor turning heel? How it happened? And do you think it was bound to happen this way? I thought it was amazing. I thought it was really well done. Um, it was one of those genuinely shocking moments in wrestling, which we don't really get all that often anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was really, really cool. The way that it was handled was perfect with Balor coming out to aid Gargano and Ciampa. And you think it's going to be like some sort of brawl. And then Balor goes heel with the Pele kick out of nowhere. It was so beautifully executed. Like, genuine heat for Finn Balor, who really needed a change in character. Um, he's a natural babyface, of course, but he's been so stale for so long now. Um, I mean, he didn't need a change in character in NXT because he was over anyway. But he has yet to be a heel in NXT on the main roster, so it's something new for him there. Mm-hmm. Um, his promo on Wednesday really showed me that his strong suit is on the mic as a heel, not as a babyface. He caught one of his better promos I, I probably ever heard in WWE on Wednesday night in NXT as a heel. Um, so again, I thought it was great. I'm looking forward to Balor and Gargano. And um, not that they should do this all the time, but if they can bring in more people from the main roster who make sense in NXT, I'm all for it. Like someone like a Cesaro, I think would be cool. Who we've seen in NXT before, but you know, as was Balor, but you know, if they utilize these people properly, it can mean a lot to the roster. Cause when Balor eventually loses to Johnny Gargano, that's a big win for Gargano. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I thought the uh, heel turn was really well done in that match. It should be awesome. So that heel turn, do you think is better? Do you compare it? Um, him turning heel on Gargano to when Kevin Owens turned heel on Sami Zayn. Yeah, it was just as shocking, just as shocking, if not even more shocking, because some people kind of expected that. Like, we kind of had a feeling he may may go heel when he shows up. Mm. Um, This was way more surprising. It was one of the best, most shocking moments I've seen on WWE TV this year. Um, I thought, for that reason alone, it was great. Definitely one of the top five you know, top three even heel turns in NXT's history along with that one. And the Ch- Tommaso Ciampa one also deserves credit. Mm. Uh, when he went heel back at TakeOver uh, a few years ago on Gargano, that was also very shocking. So right. I'd throw that up there too. So now they're going to have at Survivor Series, uh, you know, try to make that event more interesting where it's Raw, SmackDown, and NXT is in the fold. We saw some of the evasion on SmackDown. So like, how do you think they play it out? Are we going to get like the, the traditional you know, four and four to five on fives. Are we going to get like a Bailey against Baszler? Are we going to get Becky against somebody from SmackDown? Like like how you think, how you think it will play out and how, how you think it, it should play out? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, you can't do triple threat matches for everything. I mean, I guess you could, Mm -hmm. um, but I would do some Raw versus NXT, some Raw versus SmackDown, and NXT versus uh, SmackDown. I think that just makes the most sense. Um, But yeah, I mean, I would think for the women, we get Baszler, Becky, and Bayley. Okay. The main event is weird because I feel like it would be odd to put, based off our current champions, uh, Brock Lesnar versus Bray Wyatt versus (laughs) Adam Cole. Wow. 
And, you know, yeah. I know the guy just beat Daniel Bryan. He came across really well. He was over on Friday, too. He got a really good reaction. The people know who he was. They were going along with the Adam Cole baby stuff. It was cool. Mm-hmm. He's no threat to the guy who never really loses in Brock Lesnar, um, who's, you know, dominant, just beat Cain Velasquez in two minutes of Crown Jewel. And then the Fiend, who took fucking 20 curb stomps on Thursday. That's so right. So if any, if that match is happening, then Cole's going to take the pin no matter what. Obviously, it's really a matter of who wins between the Fiend and, and Brock Lesnar. That would be a weird match. I wouldn't do that. I would rather see the Fiend versus Brock mm. and then Adam Cole lead a squad of NXT people like Undisputed Era or other people from NXT versus a team of either Raw superstars or SmackDown superstars or both. Maybe I don't, that doesn't really make sense, but um, I, I would rather see that than the three-way. The three-way for the women makes sense because that's a better match, more even. Um, for the men, not so much. Unless, unless like Walter was champion, that would be cool. But other than that, it doesn't really make any sense. But uh, I'm very interested interested to see how they do it and i'm glad they're switching up the formula because all raw versus smackdown thing every year for the last three years has gotten old and it doesn't even mean anything so throwing nxt in there now that it's on usa Mm. makes a lot of sense yeah because when you mentioned the undisputed era if cole was not in the uh the bray brock thing like Raw and SmackDown don't really have a lot of staples. I mean, aside from New Day, I know Xavier is going to be out for for a minute with the injury, but aside from them. you know, you can't just put four guys together and say, "All right, fight these four. Like, it, if they had a stable or two, it might have made sense. But it'll be interesting to see if they even if they even go near or touch a uh, Brock and Bray. It, even even if it, if it's one on one. Like, mm-hmm. I know we had Brock and Danny Bryan. We had Brock and AJ Styles in the past. But I mean, if you put Brock in there with Bray. I, I, I get nervous because of the of the fan reaction. They they might they might shit on it before it even happens. They might say, "Oh, come on, man, what is that?" Some don't like Brock already. Some are out there saying Bray should not be champion right now, or he he doesn't need the belt. Like if they happen to go one on one, you know, hypothetically speaking, I think the fans are are, are not gonna get are, are not gonna allow it to give it a chance before it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I guess we'll see when it comes to Survivor Series how they handle it. But, I, again, I think it makes things more interesting. I mean, I, we might be disappointed in the end, depending on how they handle the situation. Mm. But I think there's real potential here to make it something exciting and something different. Because like we said at the start of the show, they do their best when their backs are up against the wall. So that may not be the case come Survivor Series, but as long as they don't bury NXT, that's all I'm really content with. That's all I'm, that's all I'm really hoping for out of this pay-per-view. But uh, with Bray and with Brock and how they do it, I, I honestly mm-hmm. don't really know. I don't want to see The Fiend lose, but mm-hmm. I also don't see Brock losing a break clean. So I guess we'll see come Survivor Series. Right. Well, don't be shocked if they do bury NXT because you know when it comes to survivor series raw tends to to bury smackdown majority of the time so yeah exactly that that, that (laughs) tends to happen more often than not. yeah um we did have nxt and AEW this week i don't want to you know end the show without talking about it um what did you make of both nxt and AEW from this week two great shows um usually I'm one way or the other one, you know, I'll say like, oh, NXT was the better show or AEW was the better show. I thought they were pretty even, to be honest with you. Um, NXT had that great, the uh, women's tag team title match was awesome. Mm-hmm. They had the Balor promo. 
Dakota or not Dakota, um, Candace and EO. Right. Sarah's fishing O'Reilly versus Keithley and Matt Riddle. Really good. A lot of build for war games. Then AEW had new tag team champions crowned. Um, an SCU and Lucha Bros. Really good match. Mm-hmm. They had um, the contract signing was good. Some Halloween stuff with the costumes, may, which may not be for everybody, but I thought it was good. Adam mm-hmm. Page versus Sammy Guevara. Like another greatest show, but still very good. I thought both shows were very enjoyable personally. Uh, the women's stuff was fine. So um, yeah, I thought it was. I thought both shows were really good this week. Yeah, the AEW you mentioned the the contract signing, which is you know a little different than what uh, we're, we're normally uh, tend to see. Uh, I, I love the Tony Schiavone in the limo with Cody Rhodes driving up to to the arena, just having some, uh, a normal conversation. That's something. That's something. Either a you don't see at all, or b you don't see all the time. So that was a different twist to it. Um, you know, for for me so far, AEW. I I like the Moxley promo to a to a degree. You know, sometimes he he tends to go a little overboard with it, but it wasn't that bad. Um, you mentioned new tag team champions, uh, SCU defeating the Lucha Bros in the main event. But I, um, you know, I, I was having a conversation earlier um, that you know when it comes to AEW, sometimes it's hard for me to like these guys because I feel everything is. You know, too choreographed, and it's like people waiting around for a certain spot for a certain move and everything. That's the only part that I'm still trying to get used to in AEW. Whether it's you know probably the Young Bucks, like I'm not the biggest Young Buck fan. I'm not saying they're not good or they're not great, whatever. But to me, it's like something about them is 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 missing with me. I I mm-hmm. don't I don't know what it is. Um, so like I I would like to like them. It's just something there that that's missing. The, you know, their stuff might be too choreographed as well. And w- w- also AEW, you know, it, you know, it, for me, those guys, th- there's not many, there's not much talking going on the show. It's mainly wrestling, which which is cool, but there's no backstage stuff. There's no build up. There's no like for me as a casual fan. If I don't know who these who these people are. You got to sell me. You got to tell me who these people are. Talk to them backstage, after the match, prior to the match. Do something. And I think that's the one thing. AEW has the production stuff on lock. I like how the graphics are and everything. Uh, I love what they're doing with Jericho. Jericho is probably the best thing on the show right now with, with, with his charisma of being a champion. But if they have more of the talent talking and doing some stuff like that and in any of these angles these big time different things that are not involving Jericho Cody uh, Santana Ortiz Guevara Moxley the, the main guys I think they could be better off going forward yeah no I think they're doing a better job of that I will agree I think the biggest gripe of both shows is the lack of promos and character development I think NXT doing, is doing a better job of that with right. video packages they did a bunch on Wednesday with uh, Angel Garza, Tyler Bay, Asuka, Kyrie Sane to get you familiar with who they are mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. AEW, like I said, or like you had said, Randy, 
I forgot about the John Moxley promo. I thought that was good. I, I have no idea why it took so long for, th- for them to have Moxley cut a promo on live TV, but he finally did, and it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, the contract signing stuff I thought was good because it's something different, you know? Right. Um, I don't really want to see Cody sit in a limo with Tony Schiavone for 20 minutes, but other than that, um, I thought it was good, and the Jericho stuff is by far the best thing on the show so far because Jericho is just a master of the mic, and he's killing it right now in this current role, which is why I laughed when people had said that it wasn't a good idea to go with him as the first ever champion and and i even said that too many months ago but in retrospect it was absolutely the right call to put the belt on jericho over Mm -hmm. adam page which would have been fucking bland as shit and i love adam page but you know it just would not have made any sense and it would not have been as as entertaining as it has been with jericho so far but um yeah just more of that the bucks need some promo time or or a video package or something Mm -hmm. uh, to really kind of get you familiar with who they are. Same thing with Kenny Omega. We haven't yet to really see that with those guys, but we have seen it with Cody. We have seen it with Jericho moxley now too they're slowly but surely getting there which is good but i think they will hopefully overcome that within the next couple of weeks and months yeah because like right now you everybody you mentioned are like the top four or five you know eight guys in the company yeah yeah and just the other people that have to get their their shit in for a promo or a little whatever it's like cool i know it's only five weeks in it is what it is but i think going forward and now as they prepare for full gear which is on the uh the ninth we only have four matches so far and all four matches are pretty, pretty much the main people moxley omega uh non-sanction i know he mentioned that oh you know, god yeah i forgot about that okay so it sounds like you're not a fan of that <laughs> i'm not i don't like the fact i'll tell you this right now dude i'm not a fan of the fact that they have hardcore matches on every fucking show I feel like we see a hardcore match in every show that they do, and it's not even necessary. Like, this is the first ever encounter between Moxley and Omega. Why is it unsanctioned? Oh, because, uh, you know, Ambrose or Moxley's a hardcore wrestler? Like, okay. I, I mean, for the match with Joey Janela, I get it. It's, you know, Joey Janela's a, a glorified loser anyway, so it doesn't really even matter if it's an mm-hmm. uns- unsanctioned match for that. But this might be their main event, like... I don't like that. I, re- I I don't like the fact that they're doing the non-sanction. It doesn't really make much sense. They haven't really built to that point in the feud yet where it needs to be non-sanctioned. True. Maybe for the second match. It's like doing fucking Hell in the Cell in the first match. WWE does that all the time, like with Rollins and The Fiend. And AEW should be no different. It just doesn't make any sense to to skip, you know, uh, you know, chapters one, two, and three and right to four. Just go right to four with the non-sanctioned match. I just think that's kind of uh, a little weird. We got Jericho and Cody for the world title. We know that. The Young Bucks against Santana Ortiz and Adam Page against Pac. So that's what we got so far for full gear on the knife. Yeah. Yeah. Looks like a good show to me on on paper. (laughs) Uh, What do you make of this, um, this, this, this new thing where if the match between Jericho and Cody goes over 60, which I don't think it should, and I don't don't think it, it will. It shouldn't. But they have like judges going to be like the end all be all to figure out who's going to win the match. I I I don't think it'll go sixty. But are you a fan that when a match when a match eventually goes an hour, they're going to have judges to finalize who won and who lost? Yeah, another thing I'm not a fan of. I just mm. don't really see why that's necessary because. They shouldn't go an hour anyway. Chris Jericho should not be wrestling an hour-long match in 2019. No. There's no need for it. Like, him and Cody Rhodes, I would be shocked if it went more than 25 minutes. 
I think some of these AEW main events are overly long for the sake of being long. I feel like all of their pay-per-view main events so far have been fucking like 25 to 30 minutes. You don't need to run a marathon here. Like they can be, you know, short and sweet, not 10 minutes, but 15, 20, maybe 25. A lot of these are half an hour and it's just way too fucking long. Uh, for this shit with the judges, it feels like something I would see in TNA with the judges and all this other nonsense. It's not necessary. So I hope that doesn't even matter. I hope that doesn't even come into effect. But mm -hmm. why announce judges if they're not going the full 60 minutes? That doesn't make any sense. So either way, it's a lose-lose. But um, I, I just think it's silly. Because I think I think they're preparing you for when a match does go an hour. It's, there's no draw, you know. It's just true, true. Right. And uh, we we don't know who the, who the judges might be. We might know them, but my thing is, like you mentioned, Jericho in 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 nineteen going over an hour. No, and but thing is, I'm I'm laughing over here because you sound <laughs> like AEW does this where their main event is like 25, 30 minutes. Like you should know that you should know that by now. That that's what they do. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. NXT <laughs> does that from time to time, too, and I agree. Like, you know, Cole and Gargano right, went fucking that. 48 minutes. Yeah, come on now. Come on. I know, and I, the only reason I defended that was because it was, uh, you know, the feud had been going on for like four or five months, and that's mm. different. Right. For this first ever match between Cody and Jericho, does it really need to go half an hour? Did Jericho and Adam Page really need to go half an hour? No, it didn't. I just thought that was kind of unnecessary. If that's what they're going for, I agree with that. That would be a good idea. You know, like... WWE, they'll announce a time limit only when it's convenient for them because that's when you know they're going to a fucking time limit draw. Right. But AEW does it all the time. So when it does happen, it is a bit more surprising because you don't know when it might happen. Like with pa with uh, Pac and Moxley recently, I right. thought that was well done. Um, the only reason why I'm skeptical is because they didn't do this for the All Out main event. So why now? Why, why for this match and not for the All Out championship match? Um, I guess... I don't know. I mean, you might be right. If they don't do this going forward, then this was only a one-time thing. I don't really know. But I, I don't want to see a whole hour wasted with Cody and Jericho because it will not be good. I'll tell you that right now. So, to be funny, the, I mentioned the tag team turmoil match when uh, like 32 minutes over under Cody Jericho. Under 32 or over 32? Over 32. <laughs> I do. Yeah, Jericho's going to be laying on his back for like 10, <laughs> ten minutes. I really think they're going to drag this out as long as possible. Oh, um, I'm not saying it's going to be a bad match. It could be very good, but I don't want people to get their hopes up. Because Cody Rhodes, people have to remember, mm. he's a great performer, and he's honestly had his best matches in AEW, like even more so than WWE, Ring of Honor, anywhere else he's been, New Japan. His best matches of his entire career have come in AEW. The Goldust match was great. The Darby Allin match was really good. And the Sean Spears match was also really good because they're more storytelling, and that's what I like, the storytelling, you know? But um, at the same time, though, in the ring, the guy's not fucking Bret Hart. Like, he's not the greatest. He's not a great wrestler. He's a great performer and getting the crowd into his matches. But he tried to do this thing in Ring of Honor where, I mean, he was a good fit for Ring of Honor, but they also have a lot better wrestlers than Cody Rhodes. Mm. So he would go in there with a guy like Jay Lethal, and the match wouldn't be great because Lethal would be trying to have a wrestling match, and Cody would be trying to go for, like, the storytelling masterpiece. And it right. wouldn't really work. Um, so I'm not sure what this match will be with Jericho. 
But we'll see. I mean, he had a great match with his fucking brother, Dustin Rhodes. And if Dustin yeah. Rhodes is going to have a near five-star match in 2019, I, I have hope that Jericho can too. Right. But um, hopefully it's not 20 minutes of rest holds um, just to reach that hour-long mark. <sighs> um. I'm going. I'm going real quick to back to what is this? Uh, double or nothing main event. Uh, the main event was 27 minutes between Jericho and Kenny Omega. Um, Fighter Fest, which I did not see. 20 minutes. Mo- John Moxley and, and Joey Janela. Um, what else was that? The fighter fight fight for the fallen. We had. Yep. That was like a half an hour easy. Young Bucks and Cody and Dustin. That was yep. at least yeah. over half an hour. The Young Bucks, Cody and Dustin, 31 minutes. Yep. Um, then we get to All Out. Uh, all Out, All Out. We have Jericho, Adam Page, uh, 26 minutes. And now we're going to get full gear. So I, I, I'm assuming they probably, they should not go over 20. I think a half hour should, I think that might be the cap. But... I, I would think Jericho wins the match. I, I don't think Cody should win the belt yet. Um, I, I don't think any of the higher ups within the company should be champions right now, like the Young Bucks lost in a tag team tournament in the first round. So I think Jericho should be the winner of that match. Yeah, no, easily. Jericho just won the championship. There's no reason for him to lose it so soon. Mm. Uh, anything else I'm missing, Graham? Uh, from, okay, what, what the fuck happened on Raw? <laughs> raw honestly dude i think i don't even remember oh yeah i think it was more own. like build for crown jewel wasn't it and they had that um the the the, the rusev lashley lana angle be the the main event oh, less said about that the better that was atrocious you think so it was bad dude. i know the crowd was into it yeah the only reason they reacted was because she said sex like five times like who wouldn't cheer for that the guy's talking about having sex with lana like okay like that's it seems like it's almost the the you know uh equivalent to the hometown cheap pop we're like mm-hmm. oh i love to be here in buffalo new york like it's the same yeah. thing as you know people will react um the, the angle's terrible it's not helping anybody um I, this is worth noting. I, I read somewhere that Ryback had said on mm-hmm. one of his shows. Now, I know that's a weird name, but he is really good friends with Rusev. They are very close. Mm-hmm. He said that as far as to his knowledge, and I'd be surprised if he was lying or if he was speaking out of his ass about one of his good friends, that his contract is coming up soon, that he's currently in negotiations with the company. So I would assume that if Rusev is in, of the mindset that I'm leaving, of course, they're going to bury him on the way out. So that might be what they're doing here. I mean, granted, they've been on and off burying him for years now, but this moreover than anything else, just because the storyline is so stupid, but it's not entertaining. Um, it was just a, it was just a ginormous waste of time, in my opinion. So nothing else that we could remember from Raw from Monday, right? Uh, I know they did um, AJ and Carrillo. Yeah. They had a they had a good match, better than the Crown Jewel match, but nothing like you know AJ still won clean, so nothing worth noting. Right. Um, yeah, they also did Rollins and Rowan. Who yeah. gives a fuck? You know, who cares? <laughs> um, I don't even really remember what else happened, to be honest with you. I know it was a very just like kind of dull show just because they were building the crown jewel. They had Becky and Kyrie Sane, I think, right? Yeah, that was that, that was probably the best part of the show now that I remember, now that I think about it. Yeah, that, that was a good match. Everything else really did nothing for me. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, I think everything was pretty much AEW, NXT, SmackDown, the Crown Jewel, Fallout. I think that's what you know everybody was pretty much talking about. Um, 
But uh, I think that's pretty much it, man. Unless you got something to, to uh, what else? Uh, I th- I, you know, I think that's it. I think that's it. No, yeah, I think we got it all. Yeah, it's a pretty uh, newsworthy week between everything that happened on uh, Crown Jewel and SmackDown last night. Right. Um, matter of fact, I, I I got a question before we wrap up. Um, this the the SmackDown. I want to get your take on the SmackDown announced team that they filled in. It was, it was uh, Tom Phillips, Renee Young, Aiden English, and Pat McAfee. So I, I know Corey and and Michael Cole were in Saudi Arabia, but I want to get your take on um, how the announced team was last night. It was good. Um, I thought they did very well. Um, it was still a Vince run show, so I was surprised that Renee Young came off better than she ever has on commentary. Uh, mm. Tom Phillips is great. It's cool to see him back on on, on TV. Um, he's been relegated to NXT UK and 205 Live recently after being bumped from SmackDown about a month ago. So I thought he did well. Um, Aiden English, for as long as he was there, was good. And uh, Pat McAfee, I mean, he's a good personality. He's just so fucking annoying. <laughs> he is so annoying. Uh-huh. Um, he is not a good commentator at all. I, I know what he does with the online stuff and the sports stuff, and he's good with that. But he, he is a very over-the-top personality, which is good in some respect, mm-hmm. in, in some respects. But as far as a commentator, the guy's fucking obnoxious. Um, and the jorts, I know that's his gimmick, but it just looks stupid. Right. Um, so, yeah. Other than that, though, I thought they did really well. All right. Um, Graham Matthews, always appreciate it. You can find him on Twitter at WrestleRant. You can find me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz. Go find the podcast, Two Out of Three Falls, on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. Show us some love. Give us a like, uh, comment, rating, all that good stuff. Two Out of Three Falls sh- uh, shirts on ProWrestlingTees.com slash Cruz Control. Grandma Man, thank you. Of course, Randy. I'll talk to you next week. All right, man. Take it easy. All right, adios. All right.